0: Life, if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So, James, too, uh, he had been talking before about being careful of temptation, how how to avoid temptation and not be in temptation. So we're going to be in that uh, today, a a furtherance of what he has to say now here in in James chapter two, which is the sin of favoritism. James two, beware of personal favoritism. He says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with partiality. First off, James's address, we got to see who he's talking to. He said, my brethren, I I try to be as observant as I can to what the text is saying, because you got to know who he's talking to, to fully understand what he, what he's trying to get at us. He says, my brethren, that means he's writing to believers, to believers of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that the, the, the Bible guys write to is for everybody. This is specifically addressed to those who believe in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that believers are given spiritual understanding through the Holy Spirit. And so when James addresses my brethren, then he's expecting believers to process what he's saying here through their Holy Spirit understanding and not just through human logic. So we got to get the logic out of the way and we got to go deep into the Spirit. Lord, what are you trying to tell me? So that's why he said, my brethren. <laughs> He's expecting us to process it there in the Spirit. Now, as flawed people, (laughs) we are prone to doing everything with partiality, don't we? We have preferences on everything. What restaurant do you want to go to? I don't know. You know, I used to ask Anna, what restaurant do you want to go eat at? She goes, well, I don't know. And so I would drive to the one I knew she didn't like. (laughs) And suddenly, oh, let's go here. (laughs) We got preferences. It's just, we just like things. (laughs) We're prone to everything with partiality. We, We do that. People often will decide on what church they want to attend according to their partiality. Does this church have the programs I'm looking for? Is it big enough? Does it have a coffee bar? That's some of the materialistic kind of things that some people try to look at for a church. I've seen guys, uh, though, with with partialities towards people. I've seen guys before, Christian guys, ready to give the gospel, and they will give the gospel to a good-looking girl, but not anybody else. Partiality. Oh, they're ready to give that girl that gospel. When we process our Christian walk according to how we feel, we'll fall short every time. But James wants us to understand that we can't do this with our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot have this partiality in the faith. You can't do it. Because if you do it, it will become sinful, biased behavior. And so when I see James open up by saying, my brethren, it's like he's saying, hey, what I'm about to tell you, don't process, don't process this in your mind. Take it down to your understanding of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God, and you'll get the right understanding. My brethren, believers of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Don't hold your faith with partiality. In other words, don't show favoritism. No favoritism. God does not show favoritism, and so to be like God, we should not show favoritism either. Jot down beside your Bible. Understand that Romans 2 and 11, also Ephesians 6 and 9, says there is no partiality with God. There is no partiality with God. Colossians 3, verse 25, says, But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. You know, when God judges, He is not going to let some people get off easier. Than others, just because maybe they had more money or a higher stature in life. He's not going to judge, well, you were a better guy and you were. De- I understand the reward system, but the partiality is not there. There's no partiality with God. Judgment will be fair. With God, there is no partiality. Now, why is this so important that God shows no partiality? Maybe some of you are hearing this for the first time that God is not partial. Why does this matter? Well, if God was partial, if God was partial, then that would be very bad for us. You know, as a Gentile, I think about the blessings to Israel and the things God offered to Israel and all these things you see that is for Israel. And I often think that as a Gentile, I figure if God was partial, it seems to me that the Jews would be saved and I could not. But God's not partial. There's no partiality with him. Jew and Gentile, Jew first, and then to the Gentile, both can be saved. There's no partiality with God. I can somewhat relate with Peter in Acts 10. Peter found out that Gentiles can be called by God too, not just the Jews. And that's when Peter said in Acts 10, jot it down again. Hey guys, I want you to go back and read this stuff. Okay, I know I'm moving fast, but this is recorded. You can go back and check it anytime you want. I want you to check this stuff. Acts 10 and 34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. That's why it's so important that God is not partial. It has everything to do with Us being able to be saved. So anyway, Peter realized that God shows no partiality. And that means a lot in relation to our salvation, that I can be saved, a Gentile can be saved. So um, at that time, there was a period of time when the Jews thought that God only was there to save just them and that he was only their Messiah. But Peter discovered that God was calling other nations too, not just Israelites, not just the Jews. Uh, Gentiles in the room, can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Aren't you glad that we can all be saved, every one of us? It's not, it's not a partial thing. You know, sometimes the, the jealousy was that maybe some people would say, well, that's our Messiah. That's our Messiah. Oh, hey, he's my Messiah too. So glad. Peter discovered that God was calling other nations too, not just Israelites, not just the Jews. With God, there's no partiality. And I'm very thankful for that, because it means I can be saved too. And I'm so thankful that God does not think the way we do. God, thank you that you don't think like me. (laughs) Isaiah 55 and 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Now, we're very partial on everything. God is not partial like that. And so, with the Lord being sinless, he has no sin, James has to open up his letter by saying, my brethren, in other words, to my fellow believers in Jesus, you're going to have to listen to the indwelling Holy Spirit to be able to understand this, because it's backwards from what you're accustomed to. This is backwards. What James is about to tell us is very different than what we use, are accustomed to functioning at. So let's get back into James' words here, but let's go into it with the direction that he's asking us, not by our own logic and our own feelings, but with an understanding of what the Holy Spirit is going to give us. You know, if you're truly saved in Jesus Christ, you will have changed. You can't be the same old that you've always been. There had to be a change in you. You're going to think different. There's going to be things you perceive differently. And that's the Holy Spirit giving you that. So let's go to the Holy Spirit for the understanding of what James is about to tell us. So don't process this this in your head, because a lot of people might get offended at some of this stuff. That's because you're processing it up here. Listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you in your heart. James is addressing believers, my brethren, he says, and so he expects us to draw from Holy Spirit understanding. James 2, verse 2, he gives an example, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? That don't sound good, does it? You're showing partiality depending upon how rich the guy is. You're passing a judgment based on evil thoughts. Okay, now this is what I was getting at earlier, how people misuse their faith Impartiality, such as people I've seen who only share the gospel with those pretty girls, but they won't share the gospel with someone else. Because you know why? It's because their real agenda is they want to get close to that pretty girl. And I'll use the gospel to get close to her. The gospel's not the main point, it's the pretty girl. See the evil thought, the selfish agenda. They're misusing their faith with partiality people like this will witness to a pretty girl in a heartbeat but they'll never witness to a poor beggar on the street it's preferential it's favoritism it is partiality and james said it is evil you become judges with evil thoughts he said Now, while we're on the word judge, because I I know what people think about when they hear the word judge, what they hear is, don't judge me, don't judge me. And it's always from a negative angle. And I want to touch on something about the word judge real quick, because I think we need to understand the word judge to better understand what James is getting at here. Our culture today has mistakenly perceived the word judge to be nothing but a bad word. And it's not always a bad word. Just depends on how you use it. You can use things for good, various items you can use for a a good purpose or a bad purpose. I could use a hammer to build a building or use a hammer to tear one down. Just depends on my heart, my angle, my purpose. Uh, Everybody likes to run to the verse that says, judge not. You ever had people do that to you? Judge not, Ray, judge not. I've had people do that to me. But they don't know the full passage when they go to that judge not verse. It says in that passage, I'm just paraphrasing, uh, the judge not verse, what it talks about, it says to first remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will have clear vision enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So what that means is we're actually supposed to judge. We're supposed to, oh, I can't believe you said that, Ray. Well, listen to the way I'm saying uh, am Which kind of judgment here is what we're getting at. The biblical issue at hand here is which standard, which way are you judging? Jesus said in John 7, verse 24, I want us to understand judging here. Jesus said in John 7, 24, he says, Do not judge according to appearance the poor man and the rich man. That's what James just talked about. People They got judged differently according to how they looked. He says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge. See that? Judge with righteous judgment. Actually, we're supposed to judge, but we're supposed to judge with righteous judgment. Don't judge based on what it looks like, um, how it looks to you. Judge by righteous judgment. So Jesus said we're supposed to. Judge means to decide. When's the last time you made a decision? <laughs> Okay, that's judging. A judge means you decide something. You come to a conclusion about something. You weigh it out. When you go out to eat, you look at a menu and you judge the menu. What am I going to eat today? When you decide you want to go on a uh, vacation, you research a bunch of destinations and judge well, this one from that one, which one you want to visit. You're, you're determining. You're trying to come to a conclusion about something. When you meet people and co-workers and friends, you try to get a bearing on what kind of person they are, not just by what they look like, but their character. You're trying to judge what kind of person they are so you know how to work with them. It's okay to judge. It's okay to do that. But don't judge according to appearance. Judge with righteous judgment. That's what he said. Jesus said that. So what did Jesus mean when he said that? It means you first have to be a believer in him because belief in Jesus brings the indwelling Holy Spirit and you get the Holy Spirit. And then you need the Holy Spirit to even be able to know what righteous judgment is because I know that's the question people have. Well, if it's okay to judge and I'm supposed to judge by righteous judgment, then what is righteous? You need the Holy Spirit to know what that is and you need to pray, and you need to be in God's Word. That all combines will teach you how to have righteous judgment. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Discernment means what's right and what's wrong. Which way? can't even know it, guys, without the Holy Spirit. Now, this is why James began, I think, by saying, my brethren, he's expecting his audience to go to this Holy Spirit understanding, because we got to weed out this bias that we all carry. Guess what, guys? You carry a bias. You really do. We all carry a bias. Even though this world makes us think we're conditioned to not be judgmental and all these things, we all carry a bias. Something has shaped you one way or another. We got to get rid of that. We got to judge righteously. So he said, my brethren, go to the Holy Spirit of God to understand so that you would be able to understand what he's teaching. Got to have the spirit to do that. You've got to be in God's word. You've got to be reading it. I know a lot of people that have a Bible and they claim to have reverence for the Bible, but they never read it. You got to be in it. You got to breathe, don't you? You got to eat. Well, you got to be in God's word. You also got to take that in all the time. I know people that they will eat three times a day. And if they miss a meal, oh, they're feeling it, but they haven't eaten spiritually the Word of God for years, and they're starving to death. you got to be in the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so do we judge? Yes, we do. Jesus said for us to do so, but not by appearance. But judge with righteous judgment. For those of you that misuse the judge not verse, whenever you hear somebody try to warn you about the dangers of your sin, they're trying to call you to repentance and you go, oh, judge not, judge. And that's the only verse you seem to know. (laughs) Um, You really ought to read the entire thing. You really ought to read the whole thing before you use that. Know what that is you're messing with before you throw it out there. You need to know what it says. Refusing to repent in itself. Is a judgment. If you get called to repentance, you all oh, judge not. I'm not going to repent. I'm not. That's a judgment you made too. You judged not to repent, and it is not a righteous judgment when you do that. And so the word judge is so thrown off in most people's understanding. And I just wanted to elaborate real quick about what the, the word judge means because James is telling us how to judge. He's he's telling us don't use partiality. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to further what it means to judge righteously. Now, look back at James 2, verse 4 again. He said, when when you show partiality to the rich man over the poor man, you become what? He didn't only say judges. He didn't say you only become a judge. He said you become judges with what? With evil thoughts. Judges with evil thoughts. Jesus said judge, but he said judge righteously. Now, what did James say? He said, when you do this like you did to the poor and rich man, you become judges, not righteously, with evil thoughts. The evil thoughts is driving the judgment the wrong way. It's it's driving it to partiality, and you can't have partiality with Christ in your faith. Righteous judgment is what we need. Now, the problem is with most people is that's not how they judge. They judge wrongly, like What James is warning about. They judge with biased, partial, evil thoughts. Most judgments go that way. I'm not picking on anybody anywhere in any church, but I've been to places before they demand you wear the full blown suit and tie to church. I've been there. I'm not wearing a suit and tie, and I've had people tell me I'm disrespecting the Lord. I'm not wearing trashy stuff. I'm not wearing things that that exposes myself in any improper way. But there are people that will look at you the way you dress, and they will judge how you dress, especially if you came into a church. Now, what was the example we got here with the poor man in the filthy rags? It says he came into the assembly, and somebody misjudged him, and James said that was wrong. as evil thoughts. Disrespecting God according to dress style, it, it can go too far where it's, I get it, it can go away where it shouldn't be, but it's just not biblical to look at somebody and prejudge preemptively with evil thoughts, strike them out of the way, just because that's their clothing they have. Rich man, poor man. That's the example James gave, guys. That's the one he he used. According to James 2, a poor person with filthy clothes is just as welcome and the assembly of believers as somebody wearing a three-piece suit, the poor man or the rich man. When both of these men walk into the assembly, and you treat the rich man with honor, and the poor man, you make him get out of the way, go sit over here, go sit at my footstool, but oh, rich man, you take this wonderful place of honor. When you do that, then you have judged according to appearance, and not by righteous judgment. If you look at both of these men with righteous judgment, you'll see they're both people that Jesus Christ died for. And I really had to get over this in my life. I really had to get past this this bias because we got certain people groups in our culture today that we look at and we go, oh, he or she's one of them. Oh, I can't talk to that person because, because of what they do. And then we judge with evil thoughts. Now, James is illustrating this the bias issue, the, the sinful favoritism that people have when it comes to their own personal opinions about other people. And when you treat the rich man well and the poor man with resentment, then James asks the question in verse 4 as a question, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now the reason James is asking it as a question he didn't say, you do become. He's asking, Don't, isn't that what you become? Evil thoughts? He's asking. He's a, he wants you to go down and ask the Holy Spirit, is that what I am when I do that? You, you got to realize the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, that's what you are. He's asking you. He's, he's getting you to go process that. Go into the Holy Spirit with the understanding that all believers have so that we can come up with the affirmative answer that we are guilty of partiality when we judge with evil thoughts. Cut and dried. Now, remember, Jesus said to judge with righteous judgment. Judging with discrimination and prejudice and all these favoritism things, that causes division. That starts division, not only out there in the world, but even in the body of Christ. You ever been through a church division? Doesn't feel good, does it? That's what starts it. It's where people start pressing a bias of favoritism within the church. James 2 and 5. He says, listen, my beloved brethren. Oh, look who he's addressing again. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Wow. Again, James is begging for the ears of believers. Listen, my brethren, he says. You know he's not meaning Jews when he sees brethren, because there's been times before when somebody said brethren, and they meant Jewish people. But I know that he means everybody, Jew and Gentile, believers, because he's talking about no partiality, okay? So he means all believers in Messiah Jesus. No partiality. This, So this word, brethren, means believers of Jesus, he asks. Listen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life. You'll have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set